Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. I'm so excited to share this new message in this series with you called Under Pressure. I don't know of a more fitting title for any series that we could go into right now with the state that our world is in. I don't know if you've watched the news this week much or not, but it literally seems like our world is completely out of control. Uh, We've got people screaming and yelling at each other inside of grocery stores in different areas of the country because they're not wearing a mask. Uh, People that are bird watching are yelling at dog walkers and dog walkers are calling the cops on bird watchers. It's literally absolutely nuts. We've seen over and over again horrific demonstrations of the abuse of power and of violence in our streets. There are riots going on right now. We are in a world that literally feels like it's spinning out of control, but we serve a God who's always in control. You know, we handle pressure in different ways. Not everyone handles it the same. I typically tend to be a very pressure uh, sensitive individual in the sense that I don't really turn on until the pressure intensifies to a certain level. Um, I tend to perform very well under pressure, but even in this type of an environment, things have been so crazy. I find myself going back and forth between hallelujah and holy crud. This whole thing just seems absolutely outrageous, but different people handle pressure very differently. Some people feel incredibly crushed when they're under pressure. And it's not just a pandemic, it's not just a disease. We've got a political pressure, we've got economic pressure, we've got vocational pressure, educational pressures, family pressures, things with our relatives. There's stuff happening all over the place. And this is an entire, just a tough time. I mean, there's no way around it, it's a tough time. And it feels like this pressure could be really crushing down on us. But as I said earlier, we serve a God who's fully in control And the truth of the matter is that God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, thrives under pressure. See, we're celebrating this weekend, Pentecost Sunday, which was and is the holiday where the Holy Spirit was given and poured out. It matches up and lines up with the other holiday, Passover, in the Jewish culture. Both of those are Jewish holidays. Passover was when the Jews would celebrate the the lamb that was slain to take away their sins and the death angel passing over their houses in Egypt. And then 50 days later, they would celebrate the giving of the law when Moses walked down the mountain with the 10 commandments and the law was giving to them. The word Pentecost literally means 50 days. And you see a 50 day period from Jesus being the Passover lamb to the next moment we're going to addressed today, which was Pentecost Sunday. And for us as Christians, is an incredibly high and powerful holy day for us because it is the day that we celebrate not just the giving of God's word, the giving of the law, but we're celebrating the fulfillment of the law and the finished work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit being poured out into all flesh. God's kingdom, as I mentioned earlier, thrives under pressure. It's no different than the way a diamond is created. Pressure is necessary for a diamond to go from a lump of coal into something incredibly valuable. 
And the same is true inside of each and every one of our lives. There's a verse uh, in, in Acts chapter 1 where it's this whole story begins to come together and the reason for the Jews or specifically Jesus's followers that were Jews being in the temple or being uh, in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost was not just so they could be there um, to celebrate Pentecost. You have to understand this was a high, high pressure time for them. Jesus, if you look at these 50 days, Jesus had been arrested uh, he had been crucified. He's three days in the grave. That's the first three days of these 50. Then we see 40 days of Jesus appearing and revealing himself to them while the disciples are literally remaining and hiding. They've gone back to Galilee. And then at the end, Jesus comes to them and tells them to go to Jerusalem and remain. It was their duty as Jews to go and to make a trip for Pentecost, but he wanted them to go and remain. In the last seven days, they were in the upper room, literally in hiding, waiting and praying, and then the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. I want to show you this verse. It's found in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. It says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, uh, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time rescue and restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons for the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Can I tell you that the disciples in this moment had a very similar expression and response to Jesus talking about this baptism of the Holy Spirit? They, they literally said, okay, great. The Holy Spirit's going to come. Jesus, is this when you're gonna get us out of this pressure situation? Is this when you're gonna get us out of being overrun by Rome? See, if you think that the world that we live in is more oppressive, more racially explosive, uh, more um, violent, more abuse of power than the world Jesus lived in, you're absolutely mistaken. The world that Jesus lived in had 75% of the population inside of slavery or um, subjected to or oppressed by another nation. In this day and age that we're discussing in this story right now, the disciples literally were living in an Israel that was occupied and conquered by Rome. There was massive amounts of, of, of uh, violence and outbreaks and riots in the streets. There were constantly, the Jews constantly trying to rise up and overthrow the Romans. And that's all they could think about. In the middle of all of that, you have other racial pressures with the Samaritans that were considered half-breeds. They weren't Jewish enough. And there's all types of, types of situations that are going on here and the people that were followers of Jesus were just as much interested in the Messiah being the type of Messiah that would restore and make Israel the power that, it was, uh, that they believed it was supposed to be in the earth and release it from the pressure of Rome pushing down and pressing on it. But that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus brought a different type of kingdom. And Jesus literally said, I know, I know, guys, you really want me to get you out of this mess. You want me to get you out of this pressure. But the kingdom of God, 
thrives under pressure. That pressure perfects us. It does a work inside of us. And in this story, he literally says, I'm not getting you out. I'm putting something into you. The Holy Spirit is going to fill you with power so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria, the place that none of them wanted to go because they despised Samaritans because they were half-breeds, and then all around the world. Jesus said, I'm giving you a power to witness of me around the world. I'm not going to rescue you out of this. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a time right now where we have no other option but to go through. We have no other option but to arise and to stand up and to be the believers that God has designed us to be and recognize that he has a purpose in store and in mind for us that we happen to be alive and on the planet for this era, for this time. And there's a reason that each of us are here in this time and for this season. And it's because there's something inside of you that God wants to release into the world. And us hiding, us bunkering down, us being in a position where we're, where we're not being influencers or influential is not the purpose. God has called us to be his witnesses. We're celebrating a day Pentecost this weekend, we're celebrating that because it's about the empowerment of God's people. See, pressure is necessary to produce power. I don't know if you've ever used a pressure cooker before. I had a childhood memory that I had to call my mom about this week uh, because I wasn't sure if it was just something that I had made up or it was an actual real memory. But I had this memory of, of seeing and, ha and my mom cooking with a pressure cooker. And I don't know if you've used a pressure cooker, but in the old days, they weren't like they are now where they have automatic lock valves and whatnot. And as I talk with my mom, she described two different times that the, the brand, with a brand new pressure cooker and not quite knowing how it worked. And all of a sudden, the thing explodes and there's rice and chicken on the ceiling. And she mentioned that it wasn't very much fun uh, climbing up on stuff and scrubbing and cleaning up your ceiling because dinner had exploded over the whole kitchen. Uh, I actually watched a video online uh, just this week to see what it looked like to watch a pressure cooker explode. And it was not a pretty sight. Guys, our world feels like a pressure cooker. Our world right now feels like something is going to explode. And the more we watch the news and the more we focus on that, the more we feel that pressure. And we've got to instead, not that I'm, I'm not saying don't be informed, but we've got to spend more time in prayer and we've got to spend more time in his presence, recognizing that this pressure season is designed to produce something powerful in you and in me. See, if you look at just nature, a, a, a baby chicken, any type of bird, that, and they're born into an egg, or any animal that's born into an egg, that animal has to go through the process of the struggle, the pressure of breaking and fighting and pecking and clawing and scratching to get its way out of that shell. And if you help that bird or animal out of that shell, it's going to die. It won't have the strength, it won't have the ability, it won't have the power to withstand the world around it if it doesn't go through the struggle. Very few people choose struggle intentionally. It goes against our human nature. Like the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, get us out of here. 
When are you gonna get us out of this? It, it feels really, really good to think about one day being in heaven. But the reality is right now, we are on earth and we've got to accomplish what God has designed for us to accomplish right here and right now on earth. Jesus cannot return. He can't come back until his message, his word, his gospel has gone around every ounce, every square inch of this globe and every single people group has had the opportunity to hear. That's why it's so important that we support global missions. That's why it's so important. And thank you for your generosity at Oaks Church. When, when you give, we're able to go and we're able to send and missionaries go all over the world. I've actually been in contact with some of our missionaries this week and, and they're going through it as well. And they're under pressure as well. Some of them are in hotbeds of conflict right now in this time. And we honestly, even though America is pretty crazy and chaotic right now, to be a Christian, for the most part, for us, is pretty comfortable. In other parts of the world, not so much. My sister had the opportunity, Summer was a missionary during her teenage years, and one summer, she literally spent an entire month in China working with the underground church. See, you've heard a lot about China in the news lately, but you'll never hear anything about the Christian church in China. American churches have been on the news, They've been on the news a lot. Somebody burned down a church uh, just this last week or so uh, because they felt like they were hypocritical for wanting to meet and worship. Churches are in the news a lot here. They're not in, in China because they're illegal in China. In fact, the only churches that are allowed to legally meet are churches that are not Chinese and do not have Chinese people attending. It's only for uh, expatriates or people that live in China but are not Chinese. It's illegal to share the gospel in China. But my little sister spent an entire month in China working with the underground church and the pressure of that was incredibly developmental in her personal faith. She spent an entire month and she, for a whole month, her entire worship life, her prayer life, every single bit of it had to be silent and internal because if anyone heard you praying, if anyone could identify you as a missionary or as someone that was up to that agenda, you could be arrested and put in jail. But see, inside of China right now, the church of Jesus Christ is exploding all over China. Miracles are happening in the underground church. People are being saved by the thousands and tens of thousands. It's growing exponentially. Why? Because the kingdom of God thrives under pressure. And God uses pressure to produce great power in our lives. I want to take you to a couple of images uh, that we're going to look at for the day of Pentecost. The first image is an image of a building that you're going to see the outside of an ancient building. The bottom of the building is where the tomb of King David is that we all revere so highly. Above that, uh, that tomb down below, there's an upper room directly above that that you will be able to see in just a moment the inside of. But that upper room is the actual, and this is the actual building and structure of the upper room that they believe that Jesus and his disciples were in um, when they, not, or not just for the day of Pentecost, but also for the Last Supper, that this is the historical site of both the Last Supper and the same room that the disciples were in 
again on Pentecost Sunday. The next view you'll see is from inside of the room and you can see the big, beautiful Gothic arches. That's because that the room was rebuilt in different eras, different centuries with different influences. There's actually also inside of that room when the Muslims had taken over and were in power, there are some Muslim writings inside of that rooms as well. Um, but that is a place that is now a very holy site. The next picture you're gonna see is our group literally worshiping inside of the upper room, the room where Jesus was at the Last Supper. He washed their feet. He did incredible things. Uh, Judas betrayed him in that room. And then the disciples waited and sought the face of God. And all of a sudden, the wind of God blew into that room and filled that space. And as we worshiped inside of that space just a few short months ago in Jerusalem, we had no idea what was going to happen in the next couple of months subsequent. But we were in that place and the spirit of God was so powerful. The worship was so incredible. The emotions were so high, feeling the presence of God as we were in that upper room together. As the story goes, the Holy Spirit blew and they, they saw tongues of fire on their head. And you can read of this in Acts chapter two. I'll read a short passage in just a moment toward the end of the story. But it was inside of this upper room that all of a sudden they began to pour out into the streets and they're walking through the streets and there are 120 people that had been filled with the Holy Spirit and they're glorifying God in languages they don't even know. Uh, all these different nationalities and languages from all over uh, the region. And so all of these these other Jews that had come in town for the holiday of Pentecost to celebrate the giving of the Torah now are hearing people that were lake folk from Galilee that had country accents in their nation. And they're hearing them speak in their perfect dialects from other parts of the world and they're glorifying God and declaring Jesus uh, as the Messiah. And some people thought they were drunk and other people were curious, but some people were convinced and in awe because they were watching a miracle with their own two eyes. Well, the next picture you're gonna see is our group in Israel when we were standing on the front steps of the walk up to the temple where the temple mount would have been. And this is where historians believe that Peter stood up on that Pentecost Sunday and preached that message and thousands of people came to believe in Christ and were baptized. This is the site uh, that they believed. And you'll see in the next picture, it's a picture of me actually teaching right there on that site with uh, Jerusalem in the background. It's a beautiful picture um, and an incredible moment that we had with our tour. And I hope those of you, as, we, as this whole thing shifts and changes and our world goes back to an assemblance of normal and we'll have great trips in the future. We look forward to some of you being on some of those trips with us as we go to incredible holy sites and have experiences but the, this is the believed place where Peter stood up. He actually stood up and was bold because that's one of the things that happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and fills your life is the power of God comes in your life and you move into a place of boldness that goes beyond your own natural abilities. And he preached this incredible message. And he talked about the Messiah. He talked about the prophecies from the prophet Joel and how all of this was fulfillment. And his message was so powerful that it says in this passage in Acts chapter two, verse 37, now when they heard this, all the, the multitude that was there, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or removal of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you 
and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Remember that phrase, as many as the Lord our God will call. It says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who received his word were baptized. And that day about 3000 souls were added to them in their number. This is an amazing true story. And it's about the promise of the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of the work of Jesus Christ. There's only one thing left for Jesus to do. And that's to return and to come back and to turn this whole world upside down and renew it and make all things completely new. And then each and every one of us who have put our faith in him will live with him in the kingdom of heaven forever. It's great news. But this Holy Spirit thing that is one of the most controversial things to talk about inside of the Christian world, specifically when you begin to talk about the difference between having the Holy Spirit with you and being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit living inside of you and filling you with power. There are people that believe that that experience is extinct. There are people that believe in a doctrine called cessation, that believe that when the apostles died, that miracles ceased and healing ceased and all of those different things, the expressions of prophecy and the gifts of the spirit, all of those things ceased and it's just not true. Those things happen all over the world. God is still a healer. He never changes. He's still a miracle worker. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this passage that I just read to you, it says, repent and believe and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit just like we did for this promise is for you, your children, for, uh, for, for all of your generations and for everyone who will ever be called according to the name of Jesus Christ. This is an eternal promise. The Holy Spirit is an eternal gift. And you have the opportunity not just to have God with you, but to have God in you, the Holy Spirit living inside of your life. Why did Jesus pick? Why did God pick that specific era that specific world, far more racist than our world, far more violent than our world. We, we don't watch people, uh, we don't watch people with our government uh, literally uh, executing people in public like they did in Jesus's day. We, we don't have public gatherings where you can see someone uh, be whipped to shreds and this is how justice is met. You don't see people hanging on crosses or their bodies hanging on buildings. You, we don't see the same types of things in our world today. Yes, is it violent? Yes. Is there abuse? Absolutely. But not as much as in Jesus's day. The Roman army was known as one of the most vicious and cruel in and heinous uh, ex or extractors and, and givers of punishment. It was incredible, the type of violence. In fact, it says that when they hung Jesus up for all to see, he wasn't wearing a little loincloth, he was naked. And he was beaten beyond recognition and his skin was ripped off of his back. And it would have, it, we don't do that in our era. Our era now is, is mild in comparison to the type of, in the, in the extensiveness of all of the things that we complain about that are wrong in society. It was worse then. And Jesus picked that most horrific moment to come 
to live, to die, and to release his Holy Spirit because pressure is necessary to produce power and God's kingdom thrives in the midst of pressure. And what happens is if we'll allow God's work to have its way in us, we're going to realize that the resistance that we're going through is what builds resilience. Resistance builds resilience. See, if you go to any type of a gym or a workout facility, they're going to put you on machines or they're going to put things in your hands that weigh a lot or are hard to push or pull or to lift. Why? Because resistance builds resilience. And there are muscles that God wants to develop in you. There is strength that God wants to develop in you. And that's why you're here now. That's why you're walking through this at this exact and specific time right now, because God wants to create something in you. And we can either allow the things that we go through to make us better or to make us bitter. I want to read um, one more passage to you in just a moment. Uh, actually, there are two little passages, and I'm going to ask you this question. Are you embracing or evading the pressure? Are you facing it or are you hiding from it? We've got to be people. Guys, it's, too, it's not time for us to sit back any longer. It's time for us to arise. Now, I know that there are many of you that are watching online and you need to watch online right now. That's where you're at. It's what's best for you. And that's perfectly fine. But find a way to arise and not hide. Find a way to influence and be light and to be salt, to be the light of the world because that's what Jesus has called you to. Even if you're in a place where you need to be uh, apart and alone right now, that's fine. I, I get that and that's where you need to be and the Holy Spirit will show you when it's time for you to come back out and to meet and to gather. Some people are ready, many people are ready and they really want to and that's fine too. Each of us needs to obey the voice of God and the Holy Spirit in our own personal lives. And let me tell you what's wrong. What's wrong is for any of us to look at each other and cast shame or guilt or, or judgment on someone else who's going through this situation differently. It's wrong for someone to, to accuse and harass someone for wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. Either way is wrong. We need to be people that love and embrace and accept and we live out our lives in the faith that we have and other people are gonna live in the faith that they have and we can shine the light best that we can. But the shining light of Jesus Christ is not obnoxious, it's not rude, it's not mean. It, it, it doesn't point out wrong and point out flaws. In fact, the light of Jesus Christ is the love of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to change the world, it's going to come from the love that shines out from inside of us, not from some type of judgment, not from some type of, of, of obnoxiousness, but from being the type of people that learn how to creatively love people that are different than we are. Are you embracing or evading? There's a passage in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8, 8 that literally says of the people of God, and we're going to look at this more next week, but it says that the people of God, that they are pressed, but not crushed. Pressed, but not crushed, says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8. And here's why. It's because Jesus was crushed for us. Watch this. This is Isaiah 53, 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering 
for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. The Bible says in this passage that it was literally God's will to crush Jesus. You're under pressure. I'm under pressure. We're all under pressure. We're pressed, but not crushed because Jesus was crushed on our behalf. See, God wants to produce something in your life and you have to let God bring out his best in you. All of us have eaten or cooked with olive oil, most likely. And there are different types and levels of olive oil. The very first and most pure pressing is called extra virgin olive oil. It's the purest, it, it, it has the least amount, uh, the first press to it. It's before they tighten all the screws on it and really push it out. And it's the purest form. We're pressed, but we're not crushed. There are other levels and layers of oil. And the final is when they crush all the way down and they crush the pit and the insides of the pit pour out. The last of what's in it pours out. And that's what we saw with Jesus on the cross. When they stabbed him in the side and blood and water flowed, the pit, the core of Jesus was crushed so that you don't have to be. He took the crushing for you so that we, many of us, millions of us, billions of us could be justified. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's in your heart and what's going on in your life. I hope that you're able to receive the message that I feel in my spirit and it was not something that was offensive to you in any way. I don't have the luxury. I don't have the luxury to play games. My job is to seek and hear the voice of God and speak on his behalf. And I have to say things that maybe other people are not willing to say. But what I can tell you is that Jesus Christ paid the price he took the crushing so that even though we're pressed, he paid the price and there's something that God can produce inside of us. You're pressed, but you're not crushed. Maybe today's the day that you need to give yourself to God. Maybe you've had a grudge against him. Maybe you need to forgive him. Maybe you've been far away. Maybe today's the day that you need to ask for the Holy Spirit to come in and fill your life to come in and actually live inside of you. Because this day, Pentecost Sunday, is a day, this, this weekend that we're celebrating is a time where the Holy Spirit poured out in people's lives and God's church exploded. I'm believing with all my heart that God's church is going to explode all over the world in this season. That this Pentecost holiday will be the beginning of a massive outpouring and a massive renewal and a huge harvest of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit being poured out. I believe that we're going to see miracles. I believe that we're going to see healings. I believe that we're going to see incredible works at the hands of Jesus Christ through the breath of his spirit. And you can be a part of that. It starts with just simply saying yes to Jesus. Would you do that today? Just right there where you're sitting in your living room or maybe listening in your car or sitting in a bedroom somewhere, just start by saying yes right now. Say, yes, Jesus, I give my life to you. I, I don't wanna do it on my own. I put you in charge. I believe you rose from the dead. And today I make you my Lord. 
Would you give me your Holy Spirit? Would you fill me up with your Holy Spirit, with your power, with your breath, with your voice? I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. And I want to be used by you in a powerful way. I'm not going to lean back. I'm going to lean in. I'm not going to hide. I'm going to press forward. And I'm going to be who you designed me to be. I'm here for a reason. I will fulfill my purpose. Show me my purpose and give me your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.